Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. And it's Monday. Yes. Monday afternoon. We're just, we are, it's in the midst of summer. Yeah. It's, when did the dog days? It feels like a dog day of summer. I don't, I don't, I don't Is know. It, I felt like it was not too hot though. I did a lot of outdoor activity today. Yeah. It's, uh, it's cloud. There's a nice cloud cover. There's cloud cover. Yeah. At any rate, but it is. It's a nice laid back day in July. And um, we are, uh, I'm laid back today. Are you laid back? I'm pretty laid back. I think yeah, I had a lot of physical activity. I burned, how many movement calories? 901 calories in movement. That's good for Exercise, you. walking, cutting grass. Good for you. Went for a jog today. I don't do that very often, but. All right. It's very, it was a nice day. Short jog, but fast. All right. Felt very invigorated. All right. Wow. There we go. I don't know if that's laid back for me. I mean, it's very, I felt relaxed about it all. Yeah. No, good for you. So we want to talk about, as we're laid back and relaxed, about judgment. <laughs> yeah, You posted something which got a lot of a lot of activity. People looked at it. Two things. One was something you wrote about sort of reflecting on your own feelings of certain political things going on in the climate today, but also seeing yourself as the older brother a little bit, seeing yourself as as needing to, you know, kind of uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> well, you know, it. Um, we talked about a couple episodes ago, a passage in Halleck where he sees humanism and Christianity uh, in, in the modern world as kind of the two brothers and the prodigal son. And that got me thinking about, well, you know, that you could use the same application to within Christianity itself, whether whatever us and them, whatever issue that particularly might be. And, you know, I, I, I joke when well, I know I was serious about it. I started a Trump Shabbat uh, a couple of weeks ago where I was not going to listen to anything about him and I was going to say anything about him. And I found myself actually this past weekend, instead of turning on the news on Saturday, which I usually do morning, I just turned on classical music and I and. I just spent a day away from that kind of media. And I just fill you in anyway. Yeah, you call me so I don't I'm have I'm like to. your Shabbat away. <laughs> That's right. But I, uh, you know, uh, I started thinking about what my own, you know, uh, what what is the tension or what? how do you walk in this? How do you walk this line? In other words, being outspoken about things that is legitimate and necessary to be critical about. But what point does that cross over to where you're actually showing contempt for people that, let's just stay within the Christian world, people who are supposed to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's kind of that self-reflection turned into paragraph, which turned into a uh, blog put out there. And uh, for me, it was, yeah, it was kind of a confessional, I think. You also made an invitation, which I'm inviting everybody. You said, if if now on, if I say, preach or post something that feels like a loveless truth, I'm inviting you to call me on it. Yeah. Unfortunately, my heart is a prodigal as well. Pray for me also a sinner. Just be careful of your own soul's good. Pretty sure I can take the punch. The older brother isn't all of us. So do you want to put out your home phone, your phone number? Cell no, phone? I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 that's great. Now, I mean, if you're motivated, you have to come find me at least. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> But no, people uh, feel the will uh, we'll find this one. Yeah, but I, no, I'm serious about that. And people think, do also without invitation. People do, do feel that. the freedom. <laughs> yeah, uh, I you know I, I would I would be the wrong person for Jesus to say he was about sin cast the first stone because I just get nailed with all kinds of rocks. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I would not have been a good object lesson for Jesus. Yeah, yeah, but no, I no that really was it was, um, and I, I think 
Yeah, there's a sense where, you know, you and I were talking a little bit about, I mean, I kind of uh, just flippantly threw out something from Ken Burns. I posted, uh, he posted something. Um, and frankly, I didn't even think too much about because I just rewatched the history of the Civil War uh, thing that he did for PBS years ago. And I just saw into Ken Burns. And it was interesting just, uh, you know, understandably why that kind of brought people out of the woodwork and then people going at each other. So uh, within what, 24 hours of my trying not to promote, 24 hours of my promoting peace within the body of Christ, I, I created a ruckus a bit. So it's the agony and the ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get a lot more comments when you post things. I, I feel like I don't get as many. If I, like, I, I don't really. You're inflammatory. You're like, you're like um, it's, it's like one of those things that causes inflammation. You don't even mean to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, you know, I, I've never been called an anti-immune exactly disease before. An autoimmune, autoimmune, autoimmune would be yeah, autoimmune. Yes, I have one of those. I have a arthritis. I, you know, it's funny. Somehow we used to have autoimmune disease. I mean, it's, I have arthritis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. Arthritis sounds like well, that's just being a human being, and you hang around long enough. Although I have a kind I got early, but anyway. So you're saying I'm a spiritual inflammatory agent? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, you know, I guess, you know, in, in some broad sense of the word, that's part of the body of Christ. One body, many parts. I'm the pain somewhere. I'm the pain in your neck if you in the body of Christ. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, this is it's interesting because this is we, we you were talking a little bit, but just our nature to judge. It, it, yeah. it is the kind of it, it, it's interesting. I was reading a few minutes ago something from Church Struck Man Explore one where Carl Bart is talking about the story of the Gospels as the judge being judged in our place, and he says that what human being what constitute what really constitutes being a human being at least east of Eden in a fallen world is that we all want to be our own judge and we make ourselves our own judge. All sin has its being and origin in the fact that man wants to be his own judge. And in wanting to be that and thinking and acting accordingly, he and his whole world is in conflict with God. It is an unreconciled world and therefore a suffering world, a world given up to destruction. And he has this great phrase. He talks a little more about Jesus as the judge coming to save the world, not condemn it. But then he he's, goes back to the human nature of judge. Not all men commit all sins, but all men commit this sin, which is the essence and root of all of their sins. There is not one who can boast that he does not commit it. And this is what is revealed and rejected and condemned as an act of wrongdoing by the coming of the Son of God. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of reasons why we do it. I mean, it's it, part of it's pretty away from it being you know, kind of the essence of original sin. I mean, differentiating People is part of something that's very old in our species. That's how you all right. Is this person safe or unsafe? I mean, it starts out that you know, it kind of ties into the anxiety thing. I mean, there's a sense where even shaking hands has its, has its origin, allegedly. Uh, uh, and all right, I don't have a weapon. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and like Jonathan Haidt says, you know, morality binds and it blinds. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it it's sort of it has a a way of connecting groups and making us able to live in bigger, more complex groups than primates can do, but it also blinds, it, it puts blinders on it. It, it, it leads itself to rendering snap judgments. Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, this is camp season. So, uh, I can't remember where were we talking about summer camp? I think that was at, uh, your July yeah, 4th party. Yeah. yeah it's summer camp. And, uh, so, you know, uh, the first night of camp, you have to go through the camp rules. Right. And, 
Some, you know, when in young life, we made fun of the, you know, we made fun of the stereotypical camp rules and said these aren't rules, they're just very strong suggestions. But that's really what, uh, you know, in many ways, the law, the Torah, the Ten Commandments are, okay, you guys, we're, we're on one big camping trip here. And so if we're going to get along with each other, here are some of the guidelines. And that's, in its good sense, that's to help flourish, that's helps help society flourish. Now, we know the the downside of that but you know when jesus is re uh reworking the law or whatever he does whatever you want to call it he does in the sermon on the mount it's amazing how many times that you know as you judge you shall be judged judge not lest you be judged uh you, you know, forgive us our sins as we ask those to forgive our, you know, as, those, as we forgive others. Debts or trespasses, depending on where you say your prayers. And that's one of those things that seems to be pretty clear that he's saying. And uh, so, you know, that's kind of the uh, negative warning words. If when you're judging someone else, not only are you moving them outside the realm of grace, but it seems, in, at least in some sense, from Jesus' perspective, you're moving yourself out of grace. Yeah. And I mean, I think like it's interesting too, because for Bart, this is this happens in the garden that, that Adam and Eve want to be their own judge of what's fitting. Like it's fitting for us to eat from this tree. It's fitting for us to have this knowledge when we want to have it. It's fitting. Like we're we're the assessors of what's fitting. And then I think what happens where that the extension of that becomes what we're thinking of ju- judging who's fitting and who's not and rendering judgments, justifying ourselves and judging others. And I think that kind of it's interesting because Bart thinks that. One way you could read the Gospels is Jesus is is truly the one to judge. Like he 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 renders fitting judgments, and he he's actually doing what we all want to do, but doing it in a sort of way that's not broken and full of self aggrandizement and self justification that sort of thing. He's that because he is the judge. He's the yeah. lawgiver, uh, 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 the judge, judge in our place. But I think that that so part of I think why we're judgmental is that it it immediately becomes a way that we can build up our own self worth. At the cost of, of other people. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the gospel reading from the lectionary this past week. I mean, there is a yoke and there is a burden with Jesus, but it's the only it's the only yoke that's light and it's the only burden that's easy. Uh, every every other one that's out there is going to be you know crushing, and uh, and I think that's the fine. That's the kind of when you were talking about how Jesus models the right way to do it. That's part of why his burden you know his burden is uh, is easy. Yeah, his burden is light. Yeah. So judge not lest you be judged. You know, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. there you go. You know what there I think you know what I think Jesus was meaning when he said that? You know what the deep meaning there is? I think when he said judge not lest you be judged, I think he meant judge not lest you be judged. Exactly. I think so. We wanted to take a quick break from our conversation about judgment to thank a few of you, our sponsors. Leopoldo's Peter Stegenwald. Samantha Blythe, Sari Graham, Jordan Morseberger, and Josh Redder. Thank you all for being my Patreon sponsors. If you want to sponsor this podcast and help keep this content that you enjoy coming out, please just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. And there you can find information about how to give. If you give just five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on this podcast and help develop some future podcast projects that will be unfolding in the future. Thanks again to sponsors. And please, if you like this podcast, consider becoming a Patreon sponsor. And now back to our conversation about judgment. Yeah, but, you know, one of the things I was, but really I started with the positive when I was, uh, you know, writing down 
my thoughts on this was when Jesus says the world will know you're my disciples by the way you love each other. I mean, this is the thing about, just think about that. So that's not even talk about, you know, the you know, the negative judge not, lest you, and as you judge, you shall be judged. But what about, you know, in some levels, it's a dimension of the great mandates, you know. So the world will know that you're my disciples by the way you love each other. And again, you go to the priestly prayer in John 17, you know, you know, pray that they are one as you and I are one. Okay. So let's not even talk about trying to get organizational ecumenical or anything like that. But what does it mean for us, one, to be conscious of the fact that whatever is the unreligious world, the unchurched, the unchristian world out there, how we are interacting with each other as Christians is to be a demonstration of the validity of God's great mission of love to the world. So by, by I guess, default, if it, it, the world's not going to believe that God so loved the world if it's constantly seeing uh, the children of this verse beating the crap out of each other. I think there's a problem there. Now, again, that's not, you know, I'm not saying, you know, God's grace is bigger than that. But, you know, we often talk about how the church has been fallen. Everybody's hypocrite. But, you know, part of, if you look at what the, you know, the good history of the faith, the radical love of Christ and the radical love that people had for each other uh, is one of the great transforming stories of our of our faith. You know, um, I have as many examples of that happening as all the bad stuff had happening. Um, and so, there's a sense where I think what gave me a pause a bit is, all right, what am I communicating to the people out there who are just kind of, you know, the nuns or the duns or, you know, people that are searching? What what are we demonstrating to the world when it's all right for us to disagree about Donald Trump? And when we move from disagreeing, for instance, about Donald Trump or politics or whatever, particular political, particular issue, and then just start going at each other, uh, not going out each other's ideas, but beginning to question the integrity of the faith, the mental uh, human of, of those we disagree with. Well, it's interesting. Uh, Brother Jason Michelli wrote this seven hours ago, according to Facebook. Oh, there you go. This is hot off the press. He said, imperfect and immoral and hypocritical Christians like you, you're not an argument against Christianity. You're the best argument for Christianity. Because if St. Paul is right, if the power of sin is so insidious it can pervert even the best of our piety, twist our most altruistic acts to ungodly ends. That means absolutely no one can claim they do not need the justification offered in Jesus Christ alone. No one can say that they do not need the grace of God in Jesus Christ because no one can say for sure that in serving God, they haven't actually been serving another instead. I thought that was profound uh, in that because I think part of like the the ambiguous nature of the church's witness isn't, I think, isn't so much like you said, a problem, but it's actually baked in the cake because it's it, it's it, it's we're always sort of on the way. But the other thing is, I think if we thought more like that, we would be caught more cautious about our motives for speech, our motives for action. Because I think, like when we say, like immediately, like I was at this thing where Mark Op and I were speaking on this thing about campus free speech and censoriousness, and he was the yeah, he's he was the token liberal. He said he said to me, as he, well, he was couldn't be the token Jew and the token liberal because there were there was another Jew on the panel. He's like, I was at least the token liberal, but because there was all these guys from the National Review and other conservative right. organizations. But these guys were talking about how basically, I mean, we we tell people to attack ideas, not 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 people. And I I started thinking like I just don't think most people are that sophisticated or decent that we that we most of us lump the people with the ideas. I mean, it's just right. like. 
we can talk about not doing that. And I think maybe on moments where we're really kind of detached and analytical it, it, that we might be able to sort of exercise, you know, judgments on that plane or, or criticisms on that plane. But in general, that's just like, it just blends into one thing for most people. Well, most people don't live in a world where they get to do that on a regular basis. You know, I've always had close friends that were lawyers and, Part of the reason we kind of got along was because we kind of enjoyed the back and forth. We could disagree um, vigorously about something and then go have a beer together. I mean, I think it used to be that's what academic the academic world used to be. But now, you know, I'm not even talking about students and faculty, but there's so many minefields between faculty. It's hard to have that kind of free exchange where you're critical of each other. Uh, but I do think you're right. I think um, – it's funny. Every, it is, everything's become very personal in the age. Maybe it's always been that way, but I, I agree with you. Theoretically, you should be able to criticize someone's ideas and be separate. And again, you know where, I mean, there are friends and people in Congress, for instance, who, although that's, there's less of this now than it used to be, where someone like uh, Ted Kennedy and Orrin Hatch could be deeply, deep and close friends and cancel each other out voting, you know, 80% of the time. But I agree. Most of most people don't live on that plane. But even people that do, I mean, if someone says to you, if, if somebody says like a, a spouse or friend, oh, you're cleaning the, the, the floor wrong or you're not preparing that ham right. I mean, they might just be offering a suggestion helpful, but most people are, most people hear that as, I, and I'm not just doing something wrong. There's something that in me that's wrong or about me that's wrong. I mean, most people just, just don't handle criticism well. Or you could take a strategic and say, oh, I'm cleaning the floor wrong here. Show me, well, how, yeah. show me how to do it. Right. But I just said most people like don't like, you know, it, it, it just is part of the human condition, right? People don't like, people like <laughs> to be told they're, that they're right and that they're doing the right thing. And people generally, it's funny too, like there was an episode of Invisibilia a couple episodes ago. They, were, they started about umpire school. They were saying how they're oh, right. asking yeah. these umpires like how often you're right. 99%. 99%. But that's, and they were saying like how basically people intellectually, can handle the fact that they make false judgments and errors, but not emotionally. Like, it's just hard to handle emotionally. Yeah, that's right. But you feel the freedom to criticize the way I dress, though. But you do it. You yeah, do it. You I do, do it out of love. You do that. <laughs> I saw them. I, I don't criticize. I'd say, hey, you know, it's, it's different than what I would do. Well, no, we both, I think, uh, you know, you and I have earned the right to be critical with each other, but even when we do it, it sometimes it's difficult. I know, I, I understand that. I, one of the things about Jason, what he what he says there, I think it's absolutely right. But it brings me back to what I was saying about the love thing. You know, he or she who's been forgiven much should love much. You know, if we if we are constantly um, in tune with the fact that we are uh, only you know sons and daughters of sin, and we need the grace of God constantly, and that the the gift of God's grace comes from God's love, then that should make us heart. That should make us grateful and. Again, I mean, it gets back to the you know speck in my brother or sister's eye and the plank in my own. I think we have to be able to speak. I think we have to be able to speak um, truth to power. I think we have to. This you know we cannot be silent in the face of things that are are wrong or that we believe to be wrong. But I do think it's a tricky it's a tricky path to walk uh, because like just what you just said. I mean. Uh, ideas and and thoughts and political philosophy and religious ideas are all deeply tied into how people think and feel about themselves. Yeah, and I think that if 
I mean, I think like what Jason's lifting up there would lead you to to be more in the spirit of those who've been forgiven much love much in that, okay, I'm a, I'm a mixed bag here. So let me be, you know, this is great line from the West wing where they were talking about the importance of, of, uh, of like 12 word answers and debates and stuff like this. And this old st- elder statesman in the state form says diplomacy needs every word it can get its hands on. <laughs> and I think that that like, when people are talking about difference, circumspection is, is a gift. Hey, qualified statements. Uh, I may be wrong here. Let me think. You know, this is, you know, for, I, you know, it's really interesting. I meet the press Sunday. They had Chuck Todd, you know, periodically say they've done this in history of meet the press. They had the DNC and RNC chairs on, right? And he was trying to talk about difference and how we, and, and sort of basically getting past the sort of hyperpartisan divide. And they just couldn't do they it. Couldn't do it. They, mm-hmm. they couldn't, you know, they, it was tough. And actually the RNC chair, she does better than the Democrat. Uh, he was the former labor, labor secretary. I forget what she was doing before this. She actually was better at it. I mean, she she was. I mean, a little bit. I mean, they they both devolved pretty quickly. But she started off really trying to give Democrats the benefit of the doubt, like the, like that they would. And I think that's sort of you know again trying to think like okay, what here's somebody that like I have some disagreements on about things that matter. Like what? How how did they see what they're thinking? Like how do they? I mean. I'm assuming that they don't wake up and say, I want to just be a shitty person. <laughs> I hate, the, you know, these kind of people and that kind of people. And I, I hope, uh, you know, that, that they'd go away or the government would malign them. I, I just I think like most people think that their own convictions around politics, morality and things that are significant matters that they care about. They think that they have at least some decent intention. Yeah, I can remember in high school being sitting in the chamber of the Senate and it happened to be kind of an off day, but it was pretty interesting because a dying Hubert Humphrey uh, came uh, came through and uh, saw Ted Kennedy. But uh, I think the I think the Democrats were in the majority at that point. So Robert Byrd of West Virginia was the majority leader and Howard Baker of Tennessee was the minority leader. And, you know, they're going through parliamentary stuff and I can still, I could, it's kind of funny because, I mean, they, Robert Byrd went away from the mic and Howard Baker was doing something. He goes, hey, Howard, you better pay attention to this one. <laughs> and it was, I don't know, there was something about that moment that, you know, these are two people trying to govern and they were trying to pull stuff over each other. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I think it does behoove, if, what, to the degree you have power should be the degree you're generous with those who don't. And that can be all kinds of degrees of power. You know, one of the things is, it seems to me, those of us who really take seriously the idea that's grace alone, um, then it seems to me if we really believe it's by grace alone that we stand, that we're saved, that we live and breathe, then that means that we, by nature, are needy people. We're broken people. Uh, we're sinful people. And so, therefore, I'll go back to it because we have been forgiven much. We should we should lead with mercy and love. And it seems to me the more you say you believe in grace alone, uh, the higher your view of sin uh, and the brokenness of humanity, then there should be a direct correlation how much you love. Yeah, and you know— Paul and Paul's also about grace and practice. His stuff on imputation is excellent, and talking about how when people practice positive imputation to you, it feels so life giving. You know, yeah. when, when they when they put you in your best light, yeah. When they give you the benefit of the doubt, when they do the opposite, it's crippling. Like when people, oh, you didn't just forget to do the dishes; you were really just trying to get under my skin, or whatever. Like, or, or you don't really 
care about healthcare. You just want to put money in rich people's pockets. And like when you do that, it, it almost, I mean, the negative imputation, when you impute at the level of motive, it's almost always destructive of the relationship. And sometimes in all, and, and, and pretty big long-term semi-permanent or sometimes permanent terms. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I think, um, again, as citizens of this country, we have to be responsible. We are the magistrate. And there's nothing wrong with exercising the democratic process. But those of us who are also people of faith um, cannot let. There's our- nothing wrong with exercising a few times if you live in Chicago. <laughs> I mean, on the same day. On the same day. Yeah, that's, that, that's not the only place it happens or has happened. But um, we have to be, you know, even more so cognizant of what we say we believe. And. Um, you know, I, I think probably we put all consultants and church growth people and all those movements and all those books out of business if we would uh, spend a little energy and spend a little grace with each other and 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 realizing that you know what I um, I have more in common with you if we both claim the love of God than I have that's not common. I'm gonna make a change. For once in my life It's gonna feel real good Gonna make a difference Gonna make it right As I turn up the collar on My favorite winter coat This wind is blowing my mind I see the kids in the street We're not enough to 